What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining my podcast. If you're a first-time listener, thank you. If you're a second and third and so forth, I really appreciate your support. It's very encouraging, very um, appreciative of me. Well, from me, because it just keeps me going and it just makes, it lets me know that there's people that are, that care about my opinion um, and I could possibly take this further. So, you know, those fireworks is going to get on my nerves. Hopefully, I can be able to cut it out somehow in the audio, so um, bear with me, guys. But honestly, um, I'm actually, if I didn't say this already, I'm, I'm recording this before the day of 4th of July. Um, and I'm recording this now to let you know like what the, the following episode is going to be about. The following episode I recorded the day of, um, I recorded on Juneteenth, which is June 19th. Um, and basically that episode is going to be about racial discrimination, racial profiling, um, institutionalized racism, colorism, and so forth. So I really hope you guys enjoy the following episode. Make sure you have your listening ears on. Even if you don't agree with some things, I hope that you have an open mind to them. And if you want to have a discussion or a debate about this, definitely hit me up on my social media. Instagram is underscore diamond NBO. That's underscore D-I-A-M-O-N-D-N-B-O. Or on Twitter, which is the same username. Um, and yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy the following episode. What's up, guys? I know you guys miss me. You haven't heard my voice in such a long time. I think the last time I did um, a video was probably like a month or two ago. Um, I believe I was talking about the art of not giving a fuck. Um, so, yeah. I'm glad I got to record that episode because I pretty much, you know, got to let my hair down. And not really put on my professional hat because I want, you know, my show to be open to everyone. Um, so I try to make it as friendly as possible. Still talk about what I want to talk about, but, you know, in a little bit of a PG-13, maybe 16, 17, 18 way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, if you're new to my podcast, welcome. This is called Trap Jumpy. It's by the one and only Diamond Burton. Um, and yeah, this podcast is going to be a special podcast because today is Juneteenth. That's right. It is Juneteenth, June the 19th, a celebration of slaves in Texas actually being free on this day, I I believe, probably, I think two years later, um, then the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. So, yes, they were still illegally enslaved for a couple years. And then today marks the day that they um, were actually freed. So, yes, this is the day that every single person, every black person, was finally legally not enslaved anymore. So, yes, this day is our day. This is our 4th of July this is our um yeah this is basically our day where we get to you know be black as ever that we get to support black businesses that we get to support black music everything is blackity black that black so you know that sorry I can't speak that is within itself it's just for me empowering you know because I feel like us as black people we were whitewashed for a long time 
um, I, I feel like my generation was because I feel like after the civil rights movement, everybody was kind of like chilling, you know. I don't want to say completely, but I think people started to feel like, you know, we don't have Jim Crow laws anymore. We're not in segregation anymore. And so I feel like, you know, we're just tired and we just want to just live our life. Um, and I feel like a lot of people started to get complacent and not really realize the stuff that the government was doing. And and when I talk about that, I talk about systematic racism. Um, basically, um, and I, I want to get into institutionalized racism. Basically, and I watched a documentary on this. It's called The 13th on Netflix. And I encourage everyone to watch this. It basically talks about the big um, crack, um, I want to say epidemic, um, that came in the late 80s, early 80s. I'm not sure. Um, basically, all these people were getting arrested and convicted. And they were in low-income neighborhoods. And who are mostly in low-income neighborhoods? Black people. Um, and then I, I've seen how Pre- President Nixon literally said out of his mouth how the war on drugs was a war on black people. Um, and that's just one of the things that they use to oppress us. Um, I feel like people said, you know, we don't have segregation laws and all this different stuff. Let's chill. And nobody even, like, really thought about, hey, they still have us enslaved. They still have us enslaved, but not physically. They have us enslaved financially. They have us enslaved um, systematically. And it's just by by fact-checking and numbers, you know, um... We're only 13% of America's population, yet our numbers is almost twice of white people who get arrested. You know, um, a black man is more likely to go to prison than he is to graduate from high school. You know, all these things are not ironic. You know what I mean? Um, Who are majority of the people that go into office and majority of the people that um, are, are locally you know, elected and things like that. What race are they? You know, it's not it's not saying that, you know, all white people hate black people and things like that. But, you know, when people like really look at it, the civil rights movement was not that long ago. Emmett Till's killer is still alive. Like, I don't think y'all realize that Emmett Till's killer, and if you don't know who Emmett Till is, bless your heart. Emmett Till was a young boy. I believe he was about 14, if not younger. Um, he was accused of whistling at a white woman and got beat to death. And I, honestly, I'm not even going to say beat to death. I'm going to explain to you in detail what he got. Basically, they told him to carry a cotton mill down to a um, lake, right? Strip his clothes, beat him to death, took his eyeball out, set him on fire, attached him to a cotton gin and threw him in a lake. His face was so disfigured, his mom could not even recognize him. This is a kid. And all for the alleged um, the alleged story of him whistling at a white woman named Carolyn Bryant. 
Oh, and Carolyn Bryan lives in Raleigh, if nobody knew that. Carolyn Bryan is well and alive, and she lives in Raleigh, and she confessed that she lied about two years ago. So if you think for a second, those people didn't raise their kids and their grandkids to think the same way they did, you are oblivious. You you have to wake up. Racism is still here. And when we appoint racist officials and, you know, in these local elections or national elections, they're going to do some, you know, some things that are questionable to um, what this country morally should stand on. You know? Um, And the system was already built years ago and they never bothered to even alter it or change it. You know, the the amendment, all, all those different things was not made for us. Everything that what this country was built on was not made for us, yet we built this country. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that I just feel like people, and I, I'm not trying to preach and saying that, you know, we need to blame it on us and we're victims or anything like that, but, you know, we're not far from where we came from. The sit-ins, the civil rights movement, all that stuff, we're not far from it. My, my, my dad lived through segregation. My dad was about 1960. He lived, lived through segregation for eight, nine years. My grandmother, show enough, lived through segregation the majority of her life. Aunts, I, aunts, like this is not, like I'm probably a generation or two away from segregation. So for people to even think that racism does it not does not still exist is crazy um and 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 I talked I talked about this with my mom like just think about how far black people would have been if they didn't bomb um black wall street if they didn't bomb Tulsa things like like think about how far our community would have been would have been a community full of millionaires full of inventors all these different things but every time we would try to build ourselves and become business owners and things like that there would be white people to take it away from us and they still can you know a black business owner is it's hard for a black business owner to even get a loan um, why do you think hbcus aren't as prestigious as pwis you know what i mean it's crazy and um, I feel like now, like, even more than ever, now that we have, like, now that we realize these things, we need to start giving back to our community because the only people that's going to uplift our community and make sure we're good financially and culturally is us. We need to stop. I don't want to say completely stop giving to white businesses because, you know, um, I'm not going to say, you know, all white people are bad and things like that. Give to who you want to give. But we especially need to support black businesses because nobody's going to support them better than us. All these different white luxurious name brands like Gucci, Chanel, all the, they get paid from us. Who do you think market these brands? Us. We can do the same with black businesses and make and have so many different black millionaires, just like how they did in Black Wall Street. 
and Tulsa and all these different things. Like, we would, if we supported our own more than we supported um, other races, we would be so much better off. We really would. I really want us to really get educated on um, politics. A lot of people say, you know, voting doesn't work, voting doesn't work. And I'm just like, no, that's not true. You're thinking about the national votes. National votes, now that still matters, okay? But people need to start worrying about and putting more emphasis on local elections. Who they're appointing to be DA. Who they're appointing to be mayor judge DAs are the people that throw (laughs) the people in prison you know I was just watching a movie which is my one of my favorites if not my favorite black history movie is called American Violet it's about this woman um she stayed in I think it was called Arlington Texas a really small town in Texas a low-income black neighborhood um and project section 8 out housing they used to get raped for no reason all the time until she ended up getting her name put in something and they tried to lie and tell her we have tapes of you selling drugs at the high school and she's like oh no that's BS I never sold drugs in a day of my life they used the tactic of scaring um, of saying that they have evidence when they don't just so they can throw black people in jail because they felt like they didn't want that black neighborhood there. So they would try to take as many black people as they can. And they would scare them by using the, um, what's it called? Um, the plea deal. So they would say, okay, we'll lessen your sentence and we'll let you go home today um, if you plead, plead guilty to selling drugs. Literally. And guess what? Guess when this was going on? Guess when this happened? 2001. 2001. The DA in Texas was raiding, and, and it happened way before then, but this happened when they actually caught the DA of doing it was in 2001. We was kids, and they were still doing that mess. And it literally took one, two white lawyers to say, hey, something is fishy is going on. We need to, we need someone that is going to sue um, the DA and um, the court from using racial discrimination against this black community. And they proved it. But it's like, it's just crazy how this came out in 2001. And, you know, people think that it's still not happening yet. It's just being covered up more. Believe me, it's happening. You know, and I honestly, like, I just, I hate it. I hate it so much, you know. And I I just feel like, I don't even, and with the police brutality thing and the George Floyd thing, bro, like, that video really, like, that video is insane. Because it's like in the video, you see you see him on the ground. You see him begging to breathe and for them to get off of him. 
and they literally sat there and did nothing and then like come to find out it wasn't just one police officer on him it was all four of the motherfuckers on him on one person each each of them is like almost to the hundred pounds you think this person's gonna be able to breathe you dumb ass and then they're gonna let them walk free I don't understand it. Like, I really want to research this. How in the fuck do police officers get to just kill people for no for no reason? Like, are you that scared? You should not be that scared. And then say, you know, well, since we were scared and we were threatened for our lives, we can kill them. No. I honestly feel like a lot of police officers end up getting in the legal field because, one, they either don't have a backup plan and they were just doing something to call themselves having a career because they didn't feel like going to college and so forth and so they're police officers or they did police officers because they was pussy before they was police officers so they wanted some uh, something to do to control people and have a gun and so these people they have like majority of them have like this this um thing to where they feel like if it's someone black they see that's kind of like aggressive or they feel like they're threatening for their lives you know and it's kind of just like bro like no no and and, you know they don't even and it's crazy because it's like they literally can raid inside people's random ass houses and not get fired how like with this Breonna Taylor thing girl was just minding her business sleep was killed I think shot eight times that could have been any of us that's scary I have to fear police every time I drive by police I get this feeling of oh my gosh I hope he don't stop every black person deals with this when I was a kid um, the first time I heard about police brutality was Trayvon Martin I was 15 years old. I came home from school, seen it all over the TV, and was trying to figure out what was going on. And then I heard that news. And my mom was telling me about racial discrimination and police brutality. And then to come to find out, he didn't even get proved guilty. And it's insane. Like, he didn't even get proven guilty. He literally got to kill a black boy and get away with it. Like, that is insane. insane. Tamir Rice, 12 years old, a toy gun, and they shot him. Not only did they shot him, but they didn't even try to help um, revive him. They just let him sit there and bleed. A 12-year-old with a toy gun. You telling me you can't go up to that 12-year-old yourself and say, hey, put down the gun. Or, hey, let me see that. Even if you did think it was a, a gun. But it's like, bro, you you shot this little boy thinking that he was going to kill you. You that scared. You are that scared. Police officers, honestly, honestly, and I'm not even going to talk mess about police officer. I am going to talk mess. A lot of them are really just pussies with a gun. I'm going to just be honest. A lot of them are just pussies with a gun. That's what I feel like. 
and there's some good police officers. So honestly, like I really don't care about the good police officers because it's too many. It's too many of them that's not doing the right thing. I've seen so many disgusting videos this past month of police brutality. It's really just making me sick. And not even just police brutality, but racism. That lady in the park calling the police and filing a fake report on that black man because he told her to put his dog, her dog, on a leash. On a, I mean, on a, a black, sorry, on a leash with her entitled, privileged, stink ass. It just pisses me off. How entitled. It's like the 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 feeling of entitlement and privilege is, is in their fucking DNA. And it goes all the way back to Christopher motherfucking Columbus. I'm sorry for cussing, guys, but I just... You know, this is another one of those episodes where I just don't give a fuck. I'm gonna cuss this episode. I'm sorry. But it's the same thing as Christopher Columbus. He, a whole freaking other race was on this country before he was, but he wanted to kill all of them, kill all of them so he can get the credit of finding finding the country first. Entitlement. These motherfuckers decided, hey, we don't have any money. We need to figure out a way how we can make money. Let's go to Africa, sell them some some gold and silver, whatever they used to trade, and treat these um, these um, Africans like they dogs, and make them do cotton for us. Entitlement. It's like entitlement is in their fucking DNA. I really, honestly, like I've like I've never had it, and I, I'm I hope to God none of my you know white friends listening to this think I hate them. But honestly, like, I've never, I, this child, this whole month, I've been hating fucking white people this whole month. Because it's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, bruh. It's so ridiculous how entitled they can be. I remember when I was, okay, so, honestly, you kind of get, like, the racism. You kind of... I don't want to say normalized, but you normal normalize. There are some areas in North Carolina or in the South period that you can't go in at night, um, and that you just you know it's going to be some racism involved. When I was in high school, I used to stay in these really big um, apartment. I mean, not apartment, really big houses. The house division. It's called Crenshaw Hall. Wake Forest, Wake Forest City. I want to say Wake Forest is a nice city, but it's definitely the um. It's like Carrie, full of white people, right? And in that neighborhood, Confederate flags up and down the neighborhood. I remember me and my friend sitting in the pool. This lady came up to us. I I, I don't know. I think um, my friend, she was getting out the pool. She was doing something. This lady came up to us. She was like, you know, um, where are you guys from? We're from here. We live here you don't belong here she said you don't belong here um Ash, um my friend and her got to argument the old woman ended up calling uh, my friend a, a, the n-word and my friend ended up cussing her out and calling her uh, you know a slur as well um and we were kids we were kids to this white woman you know, it's just crazy. Like, I just, I feel like 
as a black person we have I don't know not one black person that has not been through some type of racism in their lifetime it's almost as if it has to be normal for us you know and honestly like I feel like it's even worse with darker toned people um and I really want to touch on how colorism is a branch from racism um basically and honestly like I wrote a 14 page paper on this um where I break down colorism hair texture all those different things but basically um colorism is if you don't know discriminating someone based off the color of their skin the people that are oppressed by it are darker toned people um and you see colorism in pretty much every race but it's especially um prevalent in black people um and I'm gonna tell you why it's so important to care about this because there are some people I guarantee you listening like I wish people would stop call- talking about colorism we all black at the end of the day no we're not all black at the end of the day we're not we're treated differently by our skin tone I've seen it for myself I experienced it myself I know and we're not treated differently just in our community we're treated differently outside our community and it goes all the way back to slave days when masters used to rape um, women and come out with babies that are mixed called mulattoes they were light skinned people those people got the better end of the stick and got to sit on the porch or be in the house in the AC while the darker skinned people had to be outside all day in the field come on now that's exactly how they treat us today lighted skinned people and I want to say women are more likely to be able to get the same job than darker skinned women you know these things are not something that's just in our heads yes they separated us and it it affected the way we view each other mentally but they still do it though they still separate us systematically look at the the publications the magazines Netflix you know how many freaking light skinned girls that are love interests on on Netflix not even just love interests but like the starring roles all American every day long role I've seen that was feminine was a light skinned girl the only dark skinned girl that is not feminine on that show um, I forgot what her name is I think her name is Mo or something the boy's best friend she's dark skinned everybody else is light skinned her girlfriend light skinned everybody else and it's like you telling me there's y'all couldn't get more dark, dark skinned girls in this everybody had to be light skinned with curly hair or long hair I'm just sick of the roles like I'm so sick of it blackish all the girls dark, light skinned grownish all the girls it's kind of just like why like we know is way more dark skinned people in our community than they than the white than these publications or TV shows or movies try to make it seem like it is 
it'll be a, a room full of a, a light-skinned girls and they put two dark-skinned women in there and they call it diversity. I remember I was working um, at Domino's and this is um, when I was in college, I want to say about a year and a half ago. I was working there just to get some extra money or whatever before, um, before I started my internship. And I had purple hair. If anybody knows me knows I had purple hair for a couple years. Low-key when I go back because it was cute. But it was like a pretty purple. It was like, you know, dark purple, but it was still vibrant. And the purple would always be um, vibrant every time I go in the sun. I come out of my car after I order. I guess um, these white people were in the car next to me. They come out, they look at me. I go inside the restaurant. I do what I need to do. I get called to the office. She tells me, hey, um, Diamond, I'm going to have to let you go home early um, because you have purple hair. You're not allowed to have purple hair. Mind you, I have went through my hiring process, the application, the interviews, everything, and they tell me I have to go home early. So I just let it go. I went home. Then I thought about it when I went home. I was like, this other girl, she's light-skinned. She has red hair. Big red hair. Why didn't she get to go home? Came back. Told the manager, I really don't like how you guys let me go home, yada, yada, yada. But you let such and such stay. She has such and such. He tells me, hey, you know, um... I know I hired you with purple hair or whatever, but you know, you're my manager. Um, he's seen you and um, he talked to us about it and all this bullshit. And then, you know, it's not nothing that we're trying to, you know, discriminate. No, fucking bullshit. Honestly, like, if I if I would have called HR on their ass, I would have won. Definitely. Because they hired me like that. But instead, I just quit. Because I had another instance when I was in there working and another manager, he was a brother, came in. Hey, do you have a, a hair hat, a hair hat, something like that, or a head covering when you do orders? Because you can't have purple hair. I said, no, I do not. And then I said, I'm going to quit. And I walked out. I'm not about to do this. Like, I know what this is. I know exactly what this is. You know, like, you know, growing up, it's been definitely... Um, a struggle for me because when I was younger like colorism was especially prevalent and everybody knows this everybody I feel like just now is starting to get on this melanin wave and dark skin is beautiful and all this different stuff but honestly like everybody knows it and used to treat us like this back in the day I remember I remember the light skin is the, is the right skin the team light skin in your bio and all this different stuff and you know she got good hair and you know she's pretty light skin she got curly curly hair and pretty eyes you know like and then you know I come from a home full of light skin people my mom is light skin and my sister is light skin my sister fits the whole the whole thing light skin curly hair hazel green eyes that's my sister so being around them I've always felt insecure because I was the dark skinned girl with the big butt you know and when I was younger I honestly didn't think I was pretty so 
you know, as I got older, of course, I got confidence, you know, started being pretty. I don't want to say started being pretty. I feel like I've always been pretty, but I just didn't have that confidence in myself because a lot of people projected what they thought was beauty on me. Um, but as people got older, they started to realize, hey, there are some beautiful dark skin girls. And not even just dark skin girls. There's just beautiful girls who so happen to have darker skin tones. You know? I've had people tell me, um, you're one of the prettiest dark skinned girls I've ever seen. What exactly does that mean? You know, I've seen, when I was a kid, I've seen people, how they used to treat, you know, my lighter skinned friends, how they would treat me. You know, I literally grew up to have low self-esteem and I had to recover from that. You know, um, so it's something that is, I feel like every dark skinned girl has to go through. We all have to learn how to love ourselves. I remember when I was a kid and I looked up bleaching pills because I wanted to bleach my skin. guys sorry if this sounds different than um the previous segment but just to continue on with the conversational colorism I was talking about how when I was a kid I was looking up bleaching pills because I wanted to bleach my skin um I was looking at a very known celebrity I don't want to say their name because I mean honestly like I, I really love that celebrity and I don't want it to get out years from now that I was bashing that celebrity or you know how the media is but I was looking at this famous celebrity and like she got all this attention and she had a lighter skin complexion and she was like this superstar she had pretty eyes and all these different things and I was just like you know like I feel like I would I feel like I would be prettier if I was lighter like I feel like I would be considered fine if I was lighter this is like a kid talking um so I was looking at, you know, bleaching pills and how much they would cost and all this different stuff. I don't know, honestly, I don't know exactly what stopped me, but I think I came, got into some, I got some sense put into me and pretty much was just like eventually, you know, I'm too pretty and like, I don't need anything that's, you know, I don't need anything, any enhancements, nothing. Like I'm beautiful the way I am. I have a pretty face. I have a nice body, pretty hair you know, everything, like, it, it's nothing that I need to change about myself, um, and I feel like I eventually thought that way, and that's what stopped me, but it's just a simple fact that I even thought of it, is is what is crazy to me, you know, and, you know, just going on about colorism, you know, there's probably some light-skinned girls that think that they go through colorism, it's just like, you know, like, not to be that, actually, nah, not to take away anything the child went through, but y'all don't go through colorism because of the color of y'all skin. Y'all go through colorism because of the effects of how dark-skinned women are treated. If you think about it, if you really think about it, if you look at how the media portrays black people who are on the front page, who are the people that get all the roles, who are the people that portrays every single black girl or love interest, you know, um... 
And it's not to say that they don't go through things, but it, it, it's not in the same extreme as dark-skinned people. You know, dark-skinned people can be affected in getting jobs and, and you know, it's just, honestly, media is just one of them. Like, how many dark-skinned female singers do you see that have made it? Please tell me. Look at the, the amount of dark-skinned actresses and how they're treated. Dark-skinned models. Just think about it. Like, it, it's, it's very evident, you know, and it's really sad. You know, I can't wait to have chocolate babies, um, be married and have chocolate babies so I can be able to teach them and, and teach them to love their skin and take care of their skin and not want to be anything else despite how this world will treat them sadly um but yeah that's pretty much it um I would love to talk on these topics even more but I don't want to take away too much of you guys' time I want to respect your time because I appreciate you guys so much for even listening I had to this is probably the hardest episode I had to record I had to keep um taking out things and trimming and re-recording things and I feel like this is the most um challenging that I had to speak on topic on a topic so um hopefully you guys enjoy this topic and take heed to everything that I say and again um just like I said in the introduction if you want to debate on this please follow me on my social media and don't be afraid to DM me and we can have a whole debate about this you know I'm all for debates um but yeah I really appreciate you guys um I really appreciate you guys listening and taking heed and just honestly just clicking on my podcast is amazing to me so I hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend um and yeah Fuck 4th of July. It's Juneteenth.